Hey Redeemer, thanks for joining us. We uh, finally are getting around to doing a podcast that would address some of the issues that um, came about as a result of the racial issues in our country this year. Um, there were a lot of things that happened in quick uh, succession and ultimately the George Floyd video kind of threw the country into a bit of turmoil as people rightfully were upset about the murder and mistreatment uh, of George Floyd. And, uh, and so the people were responding in, in all sorts of ways. And so we had to ask ourselves as a church, how will we respond? respond? One thing we wanted to make sure of is that we didn't simply um, make a reaction uh, that didn't get built upon or something that wasn't sustainable or lasting. And so we wanted to ensure that we really were able to dive deep and to be able to address the issue in a way that would make a real change in in our church and ultimately in, in the community that we live in. And so... There were a few reasons behind why we met, and I'm going to talk with Jonathan Atkinson and Rebecca Litton, who are on staff here at the church and who really led these meetings and spent a lot of time talking, uh, thinking about the discussion topics and reading and stuff like that. So, Jonathan, why don't you kind of, in your own words, talk about why why did we meet? What were some of the things that we thought about as we launched into this? Yeah, so uh, I think one of the main reasons we met is just sort of talking to people uh, in the in at Redeemer in the congregation and people outside too. Uh, it was obvious that these issues were on a lot of people's minds. Uh, wanting to know uh, what they should do is very emotional for a lot of people. Um, I think some people were sort of looking to the church uh, and church leadership to for guidance as to how they should act, uh, how they should think as Christians about these things. Uh, some people were wondering what we were going to do, if anything, uh, why we weren't doing more, that kind of thing. Um, and so that sentiment was just sort of out there. Uh, I think everybody could tell that everyone was thinking about it, really struck by what was happening in the country, not just with George Floyd, but uh, just sort of... Uh, the movement in general, whether it be Black Lives Matter or sort of the social justice trends uh, we see in culture. Um, and so that was just kind of happening. That was out there. That ethos was out there. But then I also think there were specific people in the congregation that reached out to us specifically, uh, leadership at the church, and asked what we were doing, said they were concerned about it. So it just made sense to include them in the conversation about whatever it is that we may do. Uh, and so I think a lot of the reason we met is because people reached out to us and cared about it. And it seemed like a way uh, to get those people together uh, and sort of think about what the church's response should be. One thing that we wanted to uh, acknowledge is that uh, the group didn't think or we didn't even go into it thinking that we were going to figure out all the answers to these complicated questions. It was more about starting a conversation. Um, and actually, every most people in the group anyway uh, want to and are willing to meet again regularly. So this is an ongoing thing, an ongoing conversation uh, to shape the culture of Redeemer 
over the long term, uh, not uh, just immediately right now. We didn't want this to come across as an emotional response only. I think a lot of us were emotional, but we didn't want it to just like be emotional and have a loud bang and like make a big deal about it and then disappear. We wanted uh, this to be something that was going to sustain itself uh, for a long time. Yeah, and Rebecca, you'd mentioned that the church has um, maybe a unique response. There are a lot of different ways that our our society responded to this act. And we kind of felt like we as a church wanted to, um, we have a unique perspective as people who have an understanding of justice that is built on on scripture. And what were some of the things that um, we went into this thinking specifically as a church, maybe we we had a unique contribution to the overall conversation. I think that's what we hope to discover and unpack in our meetings because in the summer we had people out in the streets crying out for justice. And as Christians, we're like, wait a second, that's supposed to be our thing. We're supposed to be all about that. Should we be out there with them? Should we be doing our own thing? Sort of how do we fit in? And we know that we have um, access to this truth that sets people free. And what does that look like to implement that? in this context. Yeah, good. That's really good. One thing that is clear um, today and was back several months ago when we started this process is that we have a country that seems to be more and more divided. Um, And conversations just don't happen anymore. That uh, many times across the aisle, so to speak, politics, whatever it is. Um, But discussion is is vital for us as a society to be able to have come to meaningful conclusions. So Jonathan, um, one of the things we discussed was um, being a model of um, bringing together people of different perspectives and having good conversation and um, making that a part not only of our culture, but hopefully um, as then we go into the world that, that we could be a picture of what it means to have maybe some diverse uh, thoughts on these particular issues, but but to be able to discuss them in ways that bring real results. What what was the group like? What I, my understanding was that the group that we had, it wasn't like you know that we were just perfectly aligned on everything. You know what? How did you guys gather the group, and what was the overall feeling uh, of the group? Yeah, I mentioned it briefly. Uh, a minute ago, but a lot of the people that we included in the group, most of the people actually had reached out to us um, and said they were concerned about this or uh, we talked to them personally at some point and we could tell they were really struck by everything that was happening. Um, And so as far as choosing the group, a lot of that was done for us. People just volunteered in a sense and then we put the group together. And we did include a few people that we thought um, would add diversity to the group, but it was a very diverse group as far as opinions go um, and as far as uh, their perspective on even on racial issues and justice issues. But I was really encouraged by how everyone uh, spoke to each other, how everyone disagreed. Um, It did get heated at times, um, but it was always very respectful um, and we did try to lay some groundwork uh, at the beginning when we first started these meetings to 
prepare us for that so that that would be the model. Yeah, um, a constructive discourse was our explicit goal. So we did spend a lot of time up front talking about or strategizing together ways that we could do that and be charitable to each other and listen and learn together. Yeah, And I think it's helpful for us too as Christians that we do have uh, a common set of values and beliefs, even if we have nuanced views of those things or how we apply them. It is really helpful when we all had something we could look to uh, to align on and to draw our uh, conclusions from to help shape how we thought about things. Right. Um, so you guys chose some reading materials and stuff like that. What what were some of the things that guided your discussions? What were some of the resources, Rebecca, that you guys um, covered in the class or in the group discussion? Yeah. We, a lot of the format was, uh, we'd send out a reading and then come up with discussion questions and circle back and discuss it. And the first thing we read was Dr. King's letter from Birmingham jail. And we kind of talked through whether or not, um, his rebuke of white clergy people not participating in or failing to fully participate in the civil rights movement applied to us in this moment. And that was interesting to talk through. Um, we spent some time looking back or reading accounts like historical accounts of the American church and some historians and theologians whose view is that like whiteness and Christianity were really conflated or how did um, those things get tangled up that in order to be a good Christian, um, in some ways you had to be like a white person or things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, one of the things we spoke about. Um, often was some of the provocative terms or even the provocative materials that you Mm -hmm. guys set forth. You know, you guys didn't avoid terms like uh, critical race theory or white privilege. Some of these things which kind of like for some people might, you know, it might be something that would uh, sort of be considered a hot button uh, phrase or something. Why did you guys... One of the things I feel like you guys were intentional doing is is defining those things rather than allowing what they might have become or how they've become to be understood. Um, how did you guys address those issues? Because those things are are all over the place now. Why do you feel like it was under, helpful for us to discuss? Well, I think. Um... Well, first of all, it's helpful to discuss them because everybody's talking about them. So I just thinking, I just think having some familiarity with them is important. But I think the thing that I wanted us to think most about is there tends to be a tendency in our culture right now, including in the church, to either decide, yes, I fully support this thing or I'm totally against it. And especially uh, surrounding Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, critical race theory, I saw a lot of that where... People just embraced it wholeheartedly because it was loosely connected to uh, uh, civil rights, justice things. And like Rebecca said, as Christians, we care about those. Or they just outright reject it uh, because they heard or think or have some notion that it's connected to Marxism or cultural Marxism and postmodernism because critical race theory has connections to all of those things. 
Uh, and so what we really wanted to do with the group is try to find out, A, how are most people using these terms? What do they mean by them? What do they really mean? And then on top of all that, what do we think about these things as Christians? Are there parts of it that we can uh, learn from, take, uh, and use? And are there parts that we need uh, to reject or be skeptical of or uh, not hold up on a pedestal? Uh, I feel like that would be more the decision that we came to in the end is that nothing should replace the gospel uh, and nothing should um, change the gospel, uh, but that these are theories like many other theories in culture. Uh, and so it's important to know about them and that we can possibly learn from some of the things they have to say. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean we include them into our life or our worldview. Or our necess- doctrine. Our doctrine, but mm-hmm. we can still have an understanding of them and maybe... Uh, have a wider perspective after having dealt with it more, encountered them, thought about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like with such a polarized climate in the world, dealing with those terms and addressing them for what they are helps us to almost moderate as people of peace in the world. Um, to be able to say if something's good, to say if something's bad, or to be able to Uh, think critically and have deep discussions about what is true, not the way things have simply been been presented. Um, So, Rebecca, could you talk a little bit more about some of the discussion? What was the progression? Where did you guys maybe, where where were you going? And how did those conversations go? Did it evolve as you went? Was it pre-planned? How did things progress? Yes, we went into it with a structure, starting with... We had three questions, I guess, that we worked through. The first was, what have we done wrong? Um, and that is in that section, we sort of looked back over our history and read pieces about that um, and then sort of tried to interrogate and analyze ourselves and Redeemer as a parish and if there were any ways in which we contributed to racial injustice or failed to contribute to justice. Um, and then at the end of our sessions, I feel like we almost ran out of time for this, was what can we do and how will we sustain it? So we kind of, yeah, started by looking back at the church more broadly and then zoned in to Redeemer. Um, Yeah. Good, good. And one of the, one of the, it's hard for us to think about this so far removed now, just several months from this thing. And to kind of look and say, what have we done? Because it feels like there's a a slow response. And of course, we're very limited um, by protocol to some of the involvement. Um, But one of our goals was to make this sustainable, that it wouldn't be just a reaction. And much, you know, there's obviously still a lot going on, but many people maybe not be so far removed from their lives. But we want this to sort of permeate the culture of our church. So what are some ways that you guys, um, what are some of the conclusions that they that they came to regarding Redeemer specifically? What ways did you feel sort of rise to the surface about how we can become um, more mindful of um, this issue? I think one thing that came up a lot was that we're a very hospitable church, or hospitality is one of our core values and defining traits. 
So we wanted to like lean into that and make sure that applied to anyone who tried to participate in our worship services or extra church activities. So if someone walks into our worship service and they have a more expressive worship style, are they going to feel welcome doing that? Or if someone doesn't have a car and they want to go to separate club, are they going to be able to do that? Things like that. So how does our hospitality sort of like trickle down to tricky situations like that? The interesting thing about some of these conversations too is they didn't necessarily um, have to be connected strictly to race. So some of the things we actually learned about ourselves, ways we might not be hospitable, aren't only connected to race. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be other people in other uh, situations. Uh, So I thought that was an interesting thing to take from it, that even though we were focusing primarily on race, it also raised our awareness to other people that might uh, not be getting our full hospitality. And then we're a church that has a lot of resources, too. So we decided we wanted to try to come up with some creative ways to use those in the pursuit of justice, whether that's financially supporting clergy of color or... um, Yeah, bringing in... uh, uh, Actually, say clergy of color to speak to us, stuff like that. Partnering with uh, African-American churches in Asheville that we can support uh, financially or uh, in any way, volunteers, things like that. Um, one thing we did comment on is that uh, approaching uh, race relations as we need uh, this, the only goal we have or the primary goal we have is to get more people of color into our church. That seemed a little uh, misguided for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. One, that maybe it would seem disingenuine. Uh, two, we may not know what f- folks actually need. Uh, and it might just seem uh, kind of naive to think that we do. Uh, and three is that uh, for uh, many minority cultures, they spend their whole week, most of their life, in majority culture. And so if they have... Uh, a church that's just African-American, for instance, that might be like a form of respite for them. Like they can be fully themselves, fully comfortable around their peers. Whereas coming into a white context, even if we're as hospitable as we possibly can be, um, they may just not feel as comfortable here. And that's actually okay. And maybe we can support that. Uh, We support them in their own context uh, and still have relationships and partnerships. Um, So it doesn't have to look one way. I think the easiest way to sum it up is if like somehow it's about us and us looking good, that's not the right motivation. Um, just to be able to pat ourselves on the back and say, look, we have minorities that come to our church. Uh, it's probably not the right motivation to go about these issues. Another thing um, that the group seemed to be pretty unified on was creating clear channels of communication. And I mentioned this uh Uh, in passing earlier, but one thing we kind of realized is that if we're trying to be hospitable, we may not even know how we're being inhospitable. Uh, And so uh, giving visitors, uh, specifically uh, people, it would have to be open to everybody, but uh, keeping people of color in mind, if there's a clear channel of communication, they can easily, clearly 
uh, communicate, provide feedback, communicate with staff or someone at church about their experience. Um, that could only be helpful for us to be able to know and get that information. Um, because we may just not be aware of or notice uh, how people feel or if they feel uncomfortable. So. Good, good. And this doesn't stop at Redeemer. You guys, I'm not sure you guys discussed but this in your group specifically, but in some of the research that we've done, we've even discovered some ways that we can uh, contribute or even our denomination, the Anglican Church in North America, is seeking to um, create opportunities for a more diverse church. What are some of the things that you guys have, have found out there or ways that we as Anglicans specifically can, can participate? Uh, yeah, so the ACNA has a fund uh, specifically set aside to raise money for clergy of color. Um, so they identified that uh, minorities are uh, underrepresented uh, across the ACNA. Um, and so finding ways to bring those folks in, maybe they've already been ordained in another tradition and they're interested in Anglicanism, uh, helping them uh, come along, uh, join ACNA or uh fundraising for people, maybe uh, for seminary costs or helping them plant churches, uh, giving them support uh, to serve in their local context. Uh, and we did talk about this in the group. This seemed like a really practical way um, to for Redeemer specifically to financially support uh, people of color like wanting to join the dice or the, uh, the province. Um, and yeah, I think that's, yeah, I've been really impressed with the, I guess the intentionality of our diocese here in the Carolinas. And we've had the opportunity to partner with, uh, with a, uh, another Anglican diocese in the South uh, that has historically been black, uh, to be able to partner with them to plant a church. And we, as a, as an individual, our diocese is helping, fund and train and plant that church. But also as a church, we have the opportunity to support that pastor. He's become a, a friend and uh, a colleague, and we'd love to be able to even maybe have him be able to come up and speak to us about some of uh, some of his experience and, and how we can be supportive. And I think that having him share personally will allow us to be able to, again, take a step towards real change rather than sit back here and sort of think about what we might be able to do. Um, Rebecca, one of the things that came up to you with, uh, with the rallies downtown and some of the protests and, um, you know, I was able to attend the Martin Luther King Jr. Association prayer and walk, and it was wonderful. It was it was so encouraging, and then that later that night, there's tear gas, you know, and it's like, what what do we as Christians? What are some of the things you talked about? What what should we be involved in? How what yeah? How are we? How should we think about our involvement in those sort of expressions? We had people in the group that were very willing to participate in 
like a Black Lives Matter protest and people who were very uncomfortable with that. So that was um, a good discussion. And what we ended up coming to and agreeing on was that um, we should feel uh, free to join in those movements, those protests, um, without fear of falling down a slippery slope into Marxism. But we also don't need to feel... um, like we ought to, or uh, it's not a mandate that we all uh, pursue justice in that particular way. Yeah, and that particular way I think is key. And and uh, pursuing justice is mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> in those ways, yeah, I think uh, I think that we 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 should have hearts that uh, that are discerning on how we feel like we can contribute. But as a church, one thing is clear, and that's that we want to be um, instruments of of God's peace. And we pray that our church will be a reflection of that to the community. Um, Yeah. I'm just really grateful for y'all's effort and for the, the group effort. And I pray that God will continue to just not allow this to go away, but that we would find ourselves thinking about this consistently and in doing so that the body of Christ will begin to reflect um, the reality of God's creation. Um, Yeah, thank you guys for joining us and I really appreciate uh, Jonathan, you and Rebecca and your efforts, the efforts of your team. Thanks. Thanks.